Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. It's time for your favorite show. The Weekend Report is on the radio. Thank you, Barry Woods. The Weekend Report is on your radio. Thank you so much for tuning in and joining us today. Tony Colombo here with producer Jake. Say hello. Hello. Hey. Oh, my God. Hi. <laughs> Not from State Farm. No. Not oh, Thank you, Chris. I oh, appreciate it. Every, job, every job I've Farm. ever had. Yeah? Every single one. No Espe- kidding. Yep. And the one that I had to wear khakis uh, Monday through Thursday. Was, oh, boy. That's, that, was, that was a long, yeah. That's even worse. That was a long, long time for me. <laughs> so Jake is back filling in for Frank today who uh, got called away. He's on uh, He's on location. He's uh, he's he's working uh, on a on a on a report on a very important uh, issue right now and on assignment. He's on assignment. There you go. That's exactly what I was looking for. On and of course, my partner Chris Arps once again joins us through the marvel of modern technology. He is somewhere in the St. Louis metro area, under fifty feet of concrete and steel in a nondescript building that you would never find, broadcasting from his lair of freedom and liberty. The Arps Compound. I was about to say, you're talking about my parents' house? (laughs) (laughs) I'm talking about the Arps Compound. Chris, how's it going, buddy? I'm good. You know, Tony, while I was listening to our theme song, Mm -hmm. and I know that you're you're tight with Perry, you know, I got a brilliant idea that would really make the song even better. Let's hear it. If it had a little harmonica in there. Oh, yeah? (laughs) Seriously, does Perry play uh, harmonica? I don't think he plays harmonica. I thought you were going to say that he, he should say your name. No. <laughs> the weekend report is on the radio with Chris Arps. Chris Arps. <laughs> Terrible. You know I am not nearly that vain. I... Close to it, but not nearly that vain. I watched... But yeah, a little harmonica would sound good with that. I was watched... Stevie Wonder style. Yeah, it would be. It yeah, I get that. I'll I'll I will ask him about that. I I watched the Super Bowl with Perry and Oh, did uh, yeah, first football game I watched in years. We talked about Same that. Same here. Yeah. yeah, we talked about that uh, last week a little bit. But um, uh, uh, when I when we were together and hanging out that day, he was playing for me some brand new Perry huh? Woods music. So Ooh. hopefully we will have some new music to be bringing you and mixing in with the uh, uh, bumper music that we play each and every week as we use Perry's music exclusively as the soundtrack of the Weekend Report. So uh, we may have some new music for you very, very shortly. He's been working on some new stuff, and it is awesome. Sounds great. Can't wait to hear it. Yeah. In other words, Chris, he's saying if you want your harmonica, you got to get in your request right now. Yeah, I, Tony. Yeah. Hey, okay. you've got him on speed dial. So uh, that's right. You know, he is in the. I mean, he's in the studio working right now. So 
this might be the time to make that happen. I'll you know, with him. all the machines and things that they have now, I'm sure he could program something yeah, to sound like a harmonica. It, right? Yeah. And, uh, he can make his guitar sound like a harmonica. As as somebody who does record music in the spare time, I will tell you, a computer-generated harmonica is not going to sound <laughs> nearly as great. Yeah. It sounds you know, so stale. I was stale. thinking about it. I yeah. was like, it yeah. probably well, doesn't sound as good. What about a harmonica filter on your guitar? Would that work? Can you do that? Can you make your guitar sound like a... Harmonica? I can't. Thing? I can't do that. Uh, but mm-hmm. I do have this nifty little neck. You know those things that uh, musicians wear around their neck that has the harmonica oh, in yeah. front of their face. Uh-huh. Somebody yeah. got yeah. that for me as a gag gift. Jokes on them. I use it all the time. Nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> but no, I don't know if there's a, f- a filter or an effects pedal. I mean, I'm gotcha. sure some tone genius could figure out how to make a right. guitar sound like a harmonica. Well, I'll talk to him. I'll talk to him, uh, Chris, and uh, and we'll see what we can do. And of course, you can. I don't buy... try to say it's your idea, Tony. Give me credit for it. Oh, I won't. Trust me. <laughs> Trust me. Um, you can buy Perry's music, The Woods Experience, anywhere that you buy. Download music, iTunes, Amazon, all those great places. And if you don't uh, buy Perry's Wood, buy Perry's music. Buy some other local band's music, and always support local music. Right, Chris. I thought that was my line. I'm sorry. Always what, Chris? Support local music. That is exactly Can I do it too? right. Yes. Support local music. You know it. That is exactly right. That's right. All right. A lot, lot to talk to, a uh, lot to talk about this week. We are going to talk to uh, both sides of the aisle in the St. Louis mayoral race this week. Um, we are going to Technically, talk to— Technically, that's not true, Tony. There is no aisles in this race. Yeah, I guess you're right. Well, you know what? I want to get into that in just a second. Um, <laughs> we're going to talk to Keith Antone. Who, uh, who who we we missed last week? Keith was supposed to join us on the show last week. If you remember, we had a little uh, trouble getting connected with him. Um, he is uh, going to join us at the beginning of hour number two. So just about an hour from now, we'll be talking to Keith, and he is with the Lewis Reed campaign in the St. Louis mayoral race. And coming up in just a couple minutes, in the very next segment, we are going to talk to Andrew Jones, who has been on the show before. He's been on the station multiple times as well. And Andrew Jones is also running for mayor of St. Louis. And as Chris mentions, we're not supposed to say this, I guess, but Andrew has been a Republican. He ran as a he was the Republican in the race uh, four years ago against Lyda Crusen. And uh, Lewis Reed, of course, is a Democrat. And there's there's several other Democrats running. But to your point, Chris, and I want to ask Andrew a little bit about this as well, but it's a different. It's kind of a different process this year. There's what they call the jungle primary coming up in just a couple weeks. Um, instead of, you know, voting for your, your uh, favorite Democrat candidate and then they move on to the general election and vice versa with the Republicans, this is all the candidates in one pool. People vote. You can actually vote for multiple candidates and then the two candidates that emerge with the most votes, no matter what party they're in, will then move forward to the general election in April. Do I have that right? Yeah, you, you're right, Tony. You know, leave it to the Democrats to make something as simple as voting supremely ah, complicated. No kidding. You know, this this threw a real monkey wrench, they say, into Tashara Jones, the current treasurer's plans and her uh, run for mayor. Uh, she, if this would have worked out real well for her, if Lyda Cruson would have stayed in the race. But with Lyda Cruson bowing out, it opens it up and doesn't give her as much of an advantage. And as we're seeing in the latest poll, uh, Lewis Reed has like an eight-point lead on Tashara Jones currently, with uh, Kara Spencer coming in third 
And uh, I think they had Andrew Jones at 20%. So in that case, in a city like St. Louis, where, uh, you know, there's not usually too much of a uh, question about what party is going to win, if we're go- if we see election results in the primary with the two top Democrats finishing first and second, which is which is what everybody thinks will happen. Doesn't that pretty much give away the results of the general election? Like, why would that change in the general election? I don't you know what I mean? Like having the Democrats go against each other in the primary that is what makes it and it only being that the primary is what advances to the general then it kind of you kind of already have your answer don't you yeah but they'll argue again that this is a nonpartisan election they're not running as democrats or republicans in the primary sure. or in the or in the general election so they're saying hey the best candidate won but if lewis reed gets the most votes and tashar jones gets the second most votes and they move on and they are taking on each other again isn't it pretty obvious that in that scenario, Lewis Reed would win the general election? I, Tony, I don't take anything as obvious in politics, especially okay. after 2021. Sure, but sure. according to the poll, um, he's looking very good for him. And he is stressing uh, law and order. He's made uh, policing and crime his number one issue. Um, Tashara Jones has been painted by her own actions and by... Uh, Lewis's Reed's campaign is kind of soft on crime. So I think that's a winning issue for him, and he's uh, doing real well right now. So I strongly encourage everybody to stick around for at least another few minutes and listen to what Andrew Jones has to say. I'm, uh, again, looking forward to talking with him um, once again on the show, and maybe you will hear from him for the first time. And, uh, you know, as much as I would really like to see Andrew do well in the in the primary and would like to see him move on and and take over as mayor of St. Louis. I think he could do some uh, really great things. Chris, is there any chance that a person that is a conservative? I know we're you know, they, they don't run as a Republican in the primary, but he is a Republican. He is a conservative. And is there any chance that a conservative we're to the point where a conservative can even uh, pull off a miracle upset in the city of St. Louis? You know, you never know, like I said, what's going to happen in politics. You don't know what revelations may come out about the the leading candidates. I think Andrew uh, Jones's candidacy is more of a groundbreaking candidacy, candidacy where maybe he can set the stage for a future um, African-American conservative. Uh, he can build on Andrew Jones's uh, achievements. I mean, 20 percent in this poll um, is really not that bad of a, of a percentage, no. especially, I think, when he's really coming out of nowhere. So I think he may be a groundbreaker. He may come up a little short. But uh, I think he, uh, if in the future, if there is a conservative African-American mayor, um, you'd have to give Andrew Jones a lot of credit for it. Mm-hmm. Well, I like I said, I encourage everybody to stick around and listen to what Andrew has to say here in a few minutes, because I think he is a very impressive candidate. And, um, you know, should at least get the 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 same platform 
that uh, the other candidates get, and maybe you uh, maybe you'll be surprised by his message, and maybe you will uh, you'll like him, and maybe he'll he'll change a few minds. We'll see, but um, uh, definitely stick around for that. Uh, while we got a few minutes left here in this first segment, Chris, obviously impeachment, impeachment, impeachment—the story of the week. Um, what are your thoughts? You know what, Tony, I'm going to be honest with you, between you, me and Jake and the couple of other people that listen to this show, no, no um, <laughs> I did not watch the impeachment hearings at all live. What I know about it is from clips that I've watched and from the reports that I've read on it. And, you know, to be fair, I read both left and right. So it's not all biased. But they've made a joke of impeachment. Impeachment is supposed to be something so rare that when it happens, you stop what you're doing, you you huddle around the TV and to watch it. What the what they've done to impeachment is a mockery. Um, it's 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 persecuting a private citizen. If they feel that he has committed a crime, then let the authorities um, charge him. I mean, the Senate mm-hmm. um, prosecuting a a a private citizen is just unprecedented, unprecedented, and I think this is going to hurt the Democrats um, in two years. And I think it hurts Joe Biden's agenda. You know, I've heard the argument, and I and I understand this argument, that if if you believe that Donald Trump did incite violence, that he did do something wrong, that he did break a law and he needs to be held accountable for it, then how come all of these people are saying that this is nothing but a political show and it doesn't mean anything. It's just political theater and it's pointless. If you, you know, even if you know you're not going to win, don't you at least go forward with something that you feel like um, uh, is the right thing to do because you want to shed light on what you believe was a crime committed? And I understand that mindset. However, what people I think don't understand that make that argument is that that's not what's happening here. This is not this is not as you point out Chris this isn't even a, this is not a real trial. If you want to try to uh, uh make that case against Donald Trump, then do it in a real court with a real judge and a real jury and you know I I still think you have a hard time proving uh you know that he would be guilty uh but it at least that would mean something. At least there would be consequences on the line. At least there would be part at least there'd be a burden of proof and you would be going through having to go through the steps uh, built into the justice system. None of that exists in this trial that we are seeing on Capitol Hill. It's pure show. Tony, I'll tell you what true incitement is. I was uh, in Ferguson, downtown Ferguson by the police station with Lawrence Billy Jones, now of Fox News fame, when the grand jury decided not to charge uh, Darren Wilson. And I remember being in that crowd in front of the station. It was already agitated. And when uh, Michael Brown's uh, stepfather stood on top of that car and got the crowd agitated and said, burn this mf down, and literally two or three seconds later, gunshots rang out and everyone started running and 10 or 15 minutes later, Ferguson was on fire again. Now, if that's not incitement, I don't know what is. And that uh, man was never charged with incitement. I think you compare with what Trump, Donald Trump is, has supposedly done. Um, he said, peaceably go down there. I don't think his words, and I've said this many times, I don't think his words necessarily were helpful, but to charge him with incitement 
that they that he wanted this to happen, I think is just a stretch. I sure wish that I would have been with you that evening because <laughs> my uh, cameraman and I left that that same evening with uh, black eyes. It, it, hey, LBJ six four. I know so the big cat six, maybe five. would have. Yeah, the big cat may have been able to protect me. Um, <laughs> But, Nobody uh, was messing with me with LBJ with yeah, me. I, I couldn't agree with you more. I was there, and like I said, we we had a very bad night that night. Um, I mean, Tony, I was literally, when he was standing in front of the car, I'm not joking, I was like two feet away. I was right there. Wow. Yeah, look, I had to look up, train my neck, because I was that, you know, when he stood on top, that's where I was. I was right there. And, you know, I said after the uh, uh, the violence, after the riot at the Capitol, that it, that if nothing else, this would hopefully be the moment that Democrats or anybody, you know, just depending on what side you are, you're on, you know, um, there have been conservatives that have wanted to sort of downplay what happened at the Capitol. And that's wrong to do. And we have a long history of seeing Democrats uh, making excuses for and downplaying violence that we've seen across the country in places. Tony, I'm like- going to defend. I'm going to have to. I'm going to have to interrupt. You. I have sure. to defend some of my conservative colleagues there. I don't know any Republican congressperson or anyone that's downplayed what happened at at the Capitol. I've seen total condemnation by everyone on that. Well, then you know what? Then that and that's good. And 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 I'm not saying that. I'm not pointing any fingers. I've just seen. Some deflection by some conservatives, certainly not on any wide scale. The point I'm making, though, is that I I was hopeful that now that this had happened and this spotlight had been put on riots and the violence, that it would be impossible for Democrats to downplay or turn their back on uh, violence happening in other areas across the country, and that has not happened one bit. We still see police departments being attacked in Portland, and we still see violence breaking out in places like Denver and Seattle, and we continue to not even address those issues and act like what happened on January 6th was a one-time thing, the worst moment in American history and the worst riot uh, of all time, where you just uh, explained in Ferguson, and as I said, in Minneapolis and Denver and Seattle and Portland and so many other places, this continues to happen, yeah. and they continue to sweep it under the rug, which is amazing to me. I, I didn't even think they would be able to get away with that, to continue that behavior after what happened on January 6th, but they still do. It's incredible. Look, Tony, the only way they can still keep uh, this under the rug, shoving it under the rug, because we haven't had yet, and you know what's going to happen, we haven't had another major police shooting of an unarmed African American. Once you have that and you have the video of it, and, and if it's remotely controversial, that's when you're going to see the cities go up in flames again, and that's when it's going to be impossible to hide it. And that's how, and it's going to, the Democrats are going to be responsible. They can't blame it on Trump. They can't blame it on anything else. And they're going to have to decide are they with the radical Antifa Black Lives Matter base, or with they, are with they with America and the sensible people that are in the Democratic Party? That reckoning's coming. Unfortunately, I, I think I know the answer to that question, but I hope that I am wrong. 
All right, we need to take uh, this first break. When we get back, we are going to talk to Andrew Jones. Andrew Jones is running for mayor in the city of St. Louis. And uh, stick around for that discussion that we'll have next right here on The Weekend Report, 97.1 FM Talk. Welcome back to the Weekend Report, 97.1 FM Talk. Tony Colombo here. Producer Jake filling in this week. Once again, big thank you to Jake for helping out. And, of course, also my partner Chris Arps is alongside. And, as I mentioned in that last segment, joining us now on the phone, back on the show, is Andrew Jones, the current mayoral candidate for the St. Louis mayor's office. Uh, Andrew was on the the show, I think, a few years ago when he was running before, and he's been uh, a, a guest here on the radio station several times. Always great to talk to Andrew Jones. Welcome to the show, sir. How's it going? Oh, it's going, and uh, thank you so much for having me on, giving me an opportunity to talk to people about our campaign, and it's absolutely a pleasure to be here. Yeah, for sure. So for people that don't know about you and your background, obviously I want to get into some of the issues and and specifics of this race and the issues that are facing St. Louisans. Uh, But before we do that, just introduce yourself to some of the listeners who may not be familiar. Well, quickly, I'm a business exec, a business executive. I'm sorry that uh, has been here for, in my capacity, a vice president of business development and marketing at Southwestern Electric Co-op out of Greenville, Illinois. I've been in that capacity for over a little bit over 20 years. Uh, also, have other executive experience in the electric utility business. Went to school here. Went to the Anchor Institutions, Washington University, for an MBA, uh, master's degree in international business, and I also have a bachelor's degree in uh, business administration and economics and currently working on that. I live in St. Louis, been a lifelong resident, volunteered for years, uh, never talked about my background in volunteerism, things of that nature, because I was just doing it because I wanted to. And I think that's what spurred me to move forward to say that I want to get involved with the city of St. Louis and turning the city around because a lot of people put their head in the sand like an ostrich and pretend that we're not heading down a dark path. And I have the skill sets, pretty much like the movie Taken, a unique, a unique set of skills that will help turn the city around. <laughs> Chris, a uh, what a novel idea! Somebody with some experience on getting work done and managing projects, and actually running a, a big city. Um, what a what a what a novel concept! Uh, I know you have a lot of questions for Andrew. Chris, go ahead. You know, it's been a long time since we've had that in the city no of St. Louis. You know, polling shows, uh, Andrew, that the main concern for citizens for the of city of St. Louis is crime. That's polling above economic development, above housing, above everything else. Um, last week, we saw at the city jail, uh, inmates had taken over a wing of the jail and they were burning things and throwing them outside of the uh, of, of the uh, jail. Um, your opponent has a plan that he helped institute through the Board of Aldermen that spends a lot of money and is for kind of more of an interventionist style to try to stop the crime. What is your plan to stop and uh, some of this crime that's happening in the city of St. Louis that's choking off development, it's choking off growth, and is having people scared to really come to the city and downtown? 
Well, I think it's a novel approach to do some thinking. And what you're, that question was a phenomenal question because it poses and puts in front of us the idea that we have to solve the problem. Mm. Now, when we talk crime, words mean something, and they absolutely mean something to me. We're talking crime, but I'm saying it's the adjective in front. It's the violent crime that is the primary problem. And in solving a problem, you deal with it almost like a triage scenario. If you have a person that is suffering from a heart attack and someone else comes in at the same time and says they have a broken foot, I think it's incumbent and it's smart to deal with the, uh, uh, the heart attack. In this case, the violent crime in the city of St. Louis, the homicides, 80% of those are committed by a very, very small percentage of the population a population that's dealing in narcotics, drugs, and gangs associated with it. The police know who they are. They have all the intelligence. I'm saying if we had leadership, we would be focusing on eliminating those small numbers of criminals who perpetrate 80% of the problem with the homicides, and therefore you won't have a Michael Neerdahl at 15 talking about he can't bring in great talent. He won't do the second tier of his expansion because he's, he's afraid of violent crime. And what my other candidates are talking about are peripheral things. They're talking about safety, which we want to promote. They're talking about human, socioeconomic conditions, mental health. Those things will be taken care of because we do a fantastic job in those areas already. But they're taking the eye off the prize, and the eye on the prize is the violent crime, and they have no solutions because I'm saying they don't have the leadership capacity to get it done. Andrew Jones is running for mayor in the city of St. Louis. Andrew, a little bit later on in the show today, we're going to talk to Keith Antone, who is with Lewis Reed's campaign. And Keith is a a regular on this show. He's a good friend of ours, even though we uh, very— Uh, often disagree when it comes to policies and and various issues facing our area. Uh, But even Keith would admit and and has admitted that decades and decades of Democrat rule in the city of St. Louis has has not turned anything around and has, in fact, continued to make things worse. He, for some reason, thinks that his Democratic candidate is going to be different than Democratic candidates of the past. I'm not sure that that's true. But uh, how do you reach out? How do you break through in a city uh, to voters that have for, as I mentioned, decades always voted for one party? Uh, how do you how do you get how do you break through the message to them to let them know that maybe um, a, a change at the top is needed if you want to see change throughout the community? Certainly we're running uh, and we're positioned behind the eight ball because no one wants to really allow the message to get out. But what we've experienced are a lot of people who are opened up. They're tuned in to common sense approaches to change the the trajectory of the city of St. Louis. If you look at the last four years, you look at the previous four years, And it's a continuum that continues to spiral out of control. But we've shown that with only a month worth of running, that we were able to change the dynamics of only getting 4% as the average for citizens here in the city of St. Louis to when I got right at 18%. It shows that there's a message that's resonating, and we're continuing continuing our efforts to push forward, to persevere, to talk to people, even under covid And when they hear the message and what they've done is a clever job of trying to, if you look at most of the press, 
they introduced me as the Republican. This is supposed to be a nonpartisan race mm. where everyone is supposed to go with their individual message, their platform, but they've cleverly always interjected because they know during this climate that is a negative associated with the Republican name, but I'll keep pushing forward. Huh. They can't deter me, and that's part and parcel of who I am. So the message resonates. They have to do what they have to do to try to deter me, but it won't work. That's very interesting. Talking to Andrew Jones. Go ahead, Chris. Andrew, one thing that's coming up for a vote, and uh, billionaire Rex Sinkfield was able to help get this passed in the legislature, that every five years the citizens of Kansas City and St. Louis vote on retaining the 1% earning tax. Uh, many say that that, ta that tax retards growth in the city of St. Louis. Others argue for it. They say if, they, if that 1% tax wasn't collected, St. Louis would be in a huge budget deficit. What's your uh, opinion on the 1% earning tax? Well, I certainly don't like to write that check out, but I also understand the practical realities that exist. The city has been running to the ground Politicians have continually used failed prospects and programs over and over. They don't have an account for what they do. So now the city is dependent, totally dependent on this 1%. Now, when in doing a, a, an exhaustive, thorough analysis, which I'm charged with doing at my job, I'm responsible for making projects work and understanding how they work, I know it's necessary. But I also understand the other side of the coin that in doing economic development and business development, Many businesses aren't deterred from coming to St. Louis because of the 1% earning tax. Philadelphia has about a 4% earnings tax. Uh, Cincinnati has a 2%, and they're steadily seeing some level of growth. It's about the malfeasance, the incompetence of leadership in the city of St. Louis that pushes businesses away because they certainly are about profitability. You have to know the language of business. They don't know it. They don't recognize that they're incompetent in those particular areas, and therefore they keep doing things over and over that doesn't produce great results. And that's a street sign and definition of insanity. Mm -hmm. but, and that's why I'm running to offer a counter to this level of insanity that exists. But unfortunately, the 1% is necessary to keep the city afloat before it falls off the cliff. Ahead, Tony, can I, can, I yeah. offer a, can I ask a follow-up? Please do. Um, Beavis Shock, a noted attorney, has sued... Um, or has threatened to sue the city of St. Louis uh, because a lot of workers that normally work downtown are now working at home. And his argument is that they should not be able to charge that 1% because they're not working in the city of St. Louis. What's your uh, view on that? Well, I, my main office is in Greenville, Illinois. I live in St. Louis. I pay taxes across the board, buying food, going to, to Home Depot, things of that nature. So I'm caught in that quandary, but I think it's part of where we are within the city. It's a necessary evil. I understand the philosophy, but if we don't want absolute collapse, we have to contribute at some level. I hold my nose and write my check. So I'm. Uh, he certainly has a constitutional right to file it. I'm a constitutionalist, but I also understand the dire straits that the city is in, unfortunately, the politicians, those who've been here for 20-plus years or so, they don't see that it's a problem. And they keep bringing forth the same things. And they put a dress on a pig, high heels on a pig, <laughs> and they call it a lady, but we still know it's a pig. <laughs> Talking to St. Louis mayoral candidate Andrew Jones. Andrew, you touched on this year's election process uh, a moment ago. Unfortunately, there's only so much time 
uh, in the day that people can dedicate to the media and the news. And right now, there's so many things happening and the messages is the voices are so loud particularly on the national scale that sometimes the local issues uh, don't get the attention that they should and as you mentioned there's a there's a different process this year and maybe a little bit of a different timeline as far as like it's not your traditional party versus party primary heading into the general election uh, could you explain how that process is going to work and the timeline for people that may not even know when they're supposed to vote or how this process is working this year? Well, with Proposition D, the timeline is that we have the primary that's March 2nd, mm-hmm. which is only a few weeks away. Yeah. And each each voter has an opportunity for choice, to make choices. And they can make the choice up to each candidate that's running. If they can't make a clear, distinctive uh, um, decision on who they want to vote for, they can vote for all four of them. Mm-hmm. And that's a cho- that's a choice allocated there. Uh, am I for that particular strategy? I probably could run on and on to talk about it in detail on why I'm against it. But my basic baseline and my constitution personally says that no matter what obstacle they put in front of me, I'm still going to compete hard. You will see me sweating and getting things done no matter what those obstacles are. So even with the requirement of 1,170 signatures, I committed myself, mm-hmm. along with my own personal finances, to get out and get over 80% of those votes, I mean, those signatures, to get on the ballot myself. I worked very diligently and hard, and I also used it as a survey to determine what was number one in the minds of the residents of the city. And the survey that you mentioned earlier is a reflection of what I did in those 800 signatures. Most of those people are saying, those residents are saying that violent crime is the problem, and that's my number one focus. But we'll operate, we'll compete. No matter what the parameters are, if everyone competes at the same level, I don't wince nor cry out loud about any of it. I get out there and make the best of it. Only a couple minutes here left with Andrew Jones. Go ahead, Chris. Andrew, our good friend of 97.1 and of our show, Senator Bob Onder of Lake St. Louis, is sponsoring Bill SB12, which limits local jurisdictions from imposing emergency powers. You being the mayor of St. Louis, potentially, would that uh, bother you having the state legislature limiting the powers you have to declare emergencies? I would have an issue with it only because it limits the city, knowing the city, knowing the specific issues and challenges that exist within the city, we should have some level of direct control over what happens. Now, I think what we have is a long-standing interference level that prohibits us from moving forward because of the incompetence, because of the malfeasance that bastardized, so to speak, the things that are necessary to move the city forward to make sure that we're optimally utilizing legislation and the parameters thereof. But as the leader, and what I'm saying is that I am a leader, I certainly want to have autonomy to be able to make sure that we can implement those things that will expedite getting things done for the city of St. Louis, and no one would know it better than a leader who's here in the city, has their finger on the pulse. And that's why I would be a little bit um, objective to 
this particular issue. Mm -hmm. Andrew Jones, thank you so much for all your time today, introducing yourself, hopefully, to many people in the city of St. Louis that are going to be voting here in just a couple of weeks. Before we let you go, tell people how they can learn more about your campaign and get involved if they want to, uh, you know, websites, social media, all that good stuff. I implore everyone to go to andrewjones4mayor.com, andrewjones4mayor.com. That's the number four. And take a look at how I plan on changing the city, making the city a point of civic excellence that others can mimic, use as a point and a guide so that we can turn this big ocean liner around that's heading off a cliff. Hmm. We can do it with the proper leadership. And I really appreciate you, Tony and Chris, for giving me an opportunity to have my voice heard because certainly we know with the, some of the shenanigans that are going on right now, they certainly don't want my voice heard. They don't want to stand toe-to-toe and talk issues with me because I'll defeat them every time, and people are understanding that. Well, we, Great job. Yeah, we appreciate your time, sir, and hope we get a chance to talk to you again soon. Yes, thank you. You bet. All right, let's take another quick break. We'll be right back with more Weekend Report. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to 97.1 FM Talk. You know I'm the one who will satisfy your needs. You like that? Uh, no. I loved it. We just had a serious conversation with a man running for mayor of St. Louis, and then we come back from break, and I'm doing that. Uh, killing and it? And you're destroying it. Yeah, that song you. will thank always you. have a, a special place in my the heart. Original. Because as all of our listeners know, that's the original Weekend Report theme that song. That is the original theme. by. Uh, it'll have a special place. It reminds me of Katie. Yes. Uh, so I'm going to ask you the same question I asked you at the beginning of the show. Now that we talked to uh, Andrew Jones again, uh, do you think he has any chance? Do you think that there is uh, that he could be the one to break through? Maybe not win the general election, but actually make some noise in this primary and get some attention and maybe surprise a few people. Uh, I think it would be a tremendous upset if yeah. uh, Andrew Jones came out on top or was one of the top two candidates. Okay, here's think- a better question. Why? Why is it? Because if if more people heard his message, if more people met him and listened to him talk, does his message appeal to the people of St. Louis? They just don't know that it's there, or do they just do they reject the things that he stands for? I think it's a question of St. Louis, like a lot of big Democratic cities. It's about machine politics. Yeah. And it's these, about the letter these candidates know how to use the machine. They know how to get the people out to do mailings, knock on doors, get the word out. They already have a name in Democratic political circles. I think that's just a part of it. You're fighting against a machine that's been around for 70, 80 years. And it's very difficult to break that as an outsider. So we are going to get the other side of the coin, as they say, in the next segment. At the beginning of our number two, we are going to talk to Keith Antone, of course, America's favorite liberal, our friend and a regular on the show here. But uh, Keith is also with the Lewis Reed campaign. So we will uh, hear from Keith and we will talk uh, about his candidate and that side of the St. Louis mayoral, mayoral election here in just a moment. 
Um, while we have a couple minutes left in this segment, Chris wanted to get back into a couple of issues of the day. Uh, the Congressional Budget Office put out a report this week that showed that uh, if we were mo- to move to a $15 minimum wage federally, it would put 1.4 million people out of work. It did say that it would lift approximately 900,000 people out of poverty, but like I said, it would put 1.4 million people um, in the unemployment line. Uh, it also said that it would obviously skyrocket what is already a ridiculous uh, national debt. And a lot of people that are saying that uh, – that are pointing to uh, how many people this would give a raise to, the uh, CBO is saying, well, that's not exactly an apples-to-apples apples comparison because many of those people won't be getting a raise. They'll get, be getting a pink slip uh, if, if this were to happen. What are your thoughts on the $15 minimum wage and the idea that uh, continues to kind of get pushed forward? Well, it's just insane to me that we would want to make that trade-off between giving people a raise and putting people out of work and think that, you know, there's a there's a good side of that. I mean, we've seen what has happened when you raise the minimum wage artificially. You look up in Seattle and Portland and those areas, they've those restaurants and those type of uh, jobs have been lost. Um, I think you'll have the same thing here. You know, recently I was driving down Page, and there's a a uh, temporary uh, uh, place office there, and I took a picture of uh, a sign that they had in the window that said they were offering uh, light industrial work jobs that were like ten and eleven dollars an hour. The fallacy is is that pe- people don't work for seven fifty or whatever the minimum wage is. People haven't worked for that in a long time, and even labor department statistics have shown that the vast, vast majority of people that work for minimum wage are high school students and college students. It's not people trying to raise a family on minimum wage. That's just a fallacy that the Democrats are using to to destroy it. You don't need to be an economist to know that in a COVID-affected economy where we've lost millions of jobs, that to artificially raise the minimum wage to $15 is going to permanently destroy jobs. Yeah, not only destroy jobs, end jobs, push jobs overseas and push businesses into automation or putting more hours, putting more responsibilities on current employees. There's just so many there's just so many bad things that come along with it. Now, there is an argument to be made that that there are of course there are workers in this country that are underpaid and undervalued and could be, you know, could use a little bit of fairness in their life. But this doesn't this is not how you solve that problem. This is not how you address those type of issues. This to think that there's just one blanket fix one band-aid that can be slapped on any issue and think that this is uh, going to uh, fix the world it, it here's the thing that even the democrats know that that's not how it works and they don't but they don't care they don't care because they'll have done what they said they were going to do get a 15 dollar minimum wage and be able to use it in future campaign commercials they don't care that it's going to put people out of business. They don't care that it's going to uh, going to lose 1.4 million jobs. They're going to point to they're going to they're going to find somebody who got a, a raise from it and put them in a commercial and try to make themselves look good. 
whatever happened to the day that if you weren't making enough money, then you went and updated your skills so that you could get promoted or either you worked very hard so that you could get promoted at that job. So you went from fry cook to crew leader, to assistant manager, to manager, to general manager. What happened to that route? What happened to minimum wage is supposed to be a living wage? My my 17-year-old daughter who has a minimum wage job doesn't – she has that job because it's perfect for her, yeah. her situation in life. Yeah. Tony, literally, to I'm telling you, I've seen labor department statistics that say like 95 98 percent of the people that make minimum wage are high school yeah and yeah. college students it's we, not what you think it is it's not right it's not some woman with four kids single mother trying to make raise the, that family on 725 an hour that's a myth yep chris we're up against the old hard break so we'll take that's it now right. and we'll talk to keith Antone. when we get back to the weekend report don't go anywhere Time for your favorite show. The Weekend Report is on the radio. Thank you, Barry Woods. And it is our number two of the Weekend Report on your radio. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you missed anything in that first hour, including our discussion with St. Louis mayoral candidate Andrew Jones, don't forget you can download our podcast. You can get the Weekend Report podcast just about anywhere that you get podcasts. But I would recommend the Radio.com app. The Radio.com app is one-stop shopping for everything here at 97.1 FM Talk. You can stream the station 24-7. You can rewind live radio. And you can download the podcast of this and all of the other shows on the station all right there on the Radio.com app. And it's all absolutely free. So, uh, as I mentioned, we talked to Andrew Jones about many of the issues facing St. Louis. We talked about his candidacy for mayor. The primary is right around the corner. Um, Unbelievably, something that has not been talked about uh, nearly enough. I don't think that there are people that live in the area even realize that we are just a couple weeks away, two, three weeks away from this primary And then uh, another month after that uh, into the general election, uh, there will be a new mayor in the city of St. Louis very, very soon. And for whatever reason, this is just not getting the uh, attention uh, from the local media, at least in my opinion, from what I've seen, that it probably should be. So we talked to Andrew Jones in that first hour. And now, as I mentioned, joining us on the phone once again, our good friend, America's favorite liberal Keith Antone. And speaking of the election, the St. Louis mayoral election, Keith, of course, is associated with the campaign of Lewis Reed for that uh, uh, candidacy for the for the uh, mayor of St. Louis. And Keith, would you agree with my assessment that I mean, you live you're in the belly of the beast. You live in this world. So maybe it's maybe it's different for you. But I just feel like even local media is not covering this race as closely as they should. Am I right or wrong about that? Well, um, I, I, I first of all like to say, hey, hey, happy weekend to you guys. Uh, thank you for gotcha. for having me. For for having me, I'm so glad that I could be with both of you today. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> inside joke, inside joke. Hey, we're we're 18 days away from 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 this runoff, this new Prop D 
were the top two uh, vote getters out of the. Uh oh. On uh, March second, and 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 then okay. we we're looking at a uh, uh, an April sixth general election. I think you're right, but I think what's going to happen, as a matter of fact, as uh, this 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 week, you're uh, uh, you're 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 you're, you're going to see more activity. I know that the Post Dispatch is interviewing all four of the candidates, and they're going to have uh, op-ed pieces uh, uh, in in the newspaper this weekend. We're getting more requests for for radio interviews and TV interviews, and so I think you're going to see it pick up a little bit. But traditionally, Chris Chris can tell you this as well. In St. Louis, April uh, these March April elections. Uh, don't really have the same turnout as, of course, your 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 every four-year presidential election yeah. that happens in November. So traditionally, the numbers are down, and it's sad because we'll have 30% of the registered voters making the decisions for 100% of the people that live in this city. Uh, I still think that you should go to jail on if you don't vote on Tuesday on Wednesday they ought to pick your butt up and take you to jail. Now that's just me. That's a little harsh. But maybe you should get a fine or something, you know, if you don't vote. Uh, you certainly aren't allowed to complain you. if you don't vote. <clears throat> well, and those are the ones that do the most complaining, guys. Mm-hmm. And so the reality here is that it's it's sad. It really is. Um but in my but 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 in my world you're right. I'm a little closer to it. Uh, full disclosure, I do uh, uh, work for 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 Lewis Reed uh, on his. This is the fourth campaign I've worked uh, for him uh, on, on um, three mayoral races and and one of the president uh, of of the board uh, uh, races. And so, uh, you know, I, I see things a little different, but I also see things in black and white. You guys know I'm a straight shooter. I think he truly is the best candidate uh, that's in the race based on his experience. He's won five times citywide. A uh, four-time citywide. He's the longest-serving uh, board of uh, aldermen president. He's the highest-ranking African American in the city right now. He needs had a bird's-eye view of how things go. He's been running the legislation. He's passed more legislation uh, in 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 the history of the city than any other alder person, not just board president, alder person. So you know he's got a record that he can stand on. Unlike the electric man that you had on early uh, uh, in the uh, last hour, and then the the junior alder person, and then of course the treasurer, I think she's doing a great job. I think she's doing a great job at treasurer. I think she should keep her day job. I don't know why she's trying to get elevated. She's a great treasurer, if you ask her. And so we think she, we're, we're going to help her. We're going to help her out, and we're going to make sure that she can continue <laughs> to be uh, a, a great treasurer. Go ahead, Chris. Keith, I'm going to cut you some slack since you stood us up last week. I know since you're a big-time Democratic operative and, you know, you're working for Louis Free's campaign. Yeah, Yeah, he's a busy man. He's a busy man, yeah. Yeah, I know you were probably huddling with the impeachment managers last week on strategy on last weekend, so I'm going to cut you some slack on that. I'm going to ask you the same questions. I'm going to ask you the same questions that I asked uh, Andrew Jones. You know, one of the themes that you are talking about in uh, describing uh, your candidate is that he has won five times. He's been around a long time. Andrew Jones is saying that's part of the problem. And one of the things that he has said that that's part of the problem is the crime issue. Um, crime has is going to be the number one issue in the race. Polling says that. Uh, Lewis Reed has made that a top priority, and I think that's why polling has put him ahead of Tashar Jones. 
Talk a little bit about Andrew Jones' charge that uh, Lewis Reed and others have been around forever, and that's why crime problem is as bad as it is. Well, you know what? In every major city across this country with people, uh, 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 high unemployment, uh, the COVID-19, people losing their business, people losing their jobs, they can't feed their family. Uh, it's, it's like this in every major city. So this problem happened before Lewis got into politics. It's happened while he's there, and it's probably going to be uh, 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 still going on, uh, you know, long, long after we're all gone. You're going to have crime. And, and if you break down the crime statistics, guys, let me just break it down to you like this, okay? 80%, 80% of the crime that happens in the city of St. Louis, the people know each other. They're not just running uh, uh, rampant in the, in the streets and just shooting and killing. Every once in a while, there's a drive-by that may miss their target. But 80% of the victims and 80% of the perpetrators of these thugs and these killers and murderers and bad people, they know each other. There's a relationship. That woman and those two kids that that got got killed here a couple of weeks ago, that was her ex-boyfriend. The one woman and her, you know, and, and, and her, and her kid, and her, and her one kid, that was an ex-boyfriend. So there's a relationship thing there that 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 that, that we have to that we have to uh, take a closer look and examine. Andrew is a small-time executive uh, uh, in a small, small little electric company, and he has no clue on what it takes to run. This is some serious business. He first of all, he has no reason to be in the race, but he has no clue on what it takes to run a city. He hasn't passed one piece of legislation. He hasn't even been See, elected. Isn't that a, arrogant a to say man. that someone doesn't have a right to be to no, it's not, no, it's run, not for, run for no, a it's race? Not this is serious business, Chris. He'd be as crazy as a community business. organizer running for president. I mean, come on. <laughs> I know. Who <laughs> running for president? Who, well, least, well, becoming president well, you know what? <laughs> That's crazy. No, no, see, see, you guys are, you guys are, you guys are, you guys are, you are full of, you know what? He didn't go from community organizer to president. He went from, he went from, a, he went from a U.S. senator to president. Okay, it's a difference. You it's just got it. Hey, it was a good one. I, I couldn't, I couldn't pass up the opportunity. You got to admit it was a good one. Or, or, or used car salesman that goes and, be, and becomes president. So either way, I mean, it's crazy. But no, and we've already had this experiment of someone coming from the business world and, 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 and screwing things up. Look at where we are right now. That's why we have an impeachment trial going on, because we had a real estate, you know, a, a, a snake oil salesman who, who, who went on to become president, who duped well, the whole 401k system. loved it. Yeah, but I bet you didn't love it last year. You can believe that. I, I bet did, you didn't actually. love it last year. I did, actually. Yeah. So, Keith, right. you know, you know okay. what? To get back on track a little bit, um, uh, crime has been obviously a big issue. We're talking about crime in the, in the city of St. Louis and mm-hmm. Democrats and, and even Lewis Reed. I mean, he, he's, he's served a big role in, in St. Louis government for such a long time. And the Democrats have been in charge. And I know that this I know we're not supposed to talk about parties because of this primary doesn't it's a non-party primary whatever. We know that Andrew Jones is a Republican and we know that Lewis Reed and Char Jones are Democrats so you know that that's going to influence the way people vote. So to pretend like this there's the parties don't matter is just silly. Um Yeah. So yeah, yeah I agree. So um uh, if if what what will a, a another Democrat do that Past Democrats haven't 
to turn to turn things around in the city of St. Louis? Why should anybody believe that another Democrat is going to do something different than decades and decades of Democrat rule that has watched the city uh, continue to decline? Well, let's just talk about what he has done. See, you know, I don't want to sit out here and do pipe dreams and, and, and talk about if I No, Let's talk about what he has done. OK, first of all, what he has done is he brought the cure violence program. That's a model out of Chicago that's working around the country. OK, that's just what he has done. He's 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 he has supported uh, the police department. He has brought uh, uh made sure that we we got body uh cams for, for for police officers he has started a fund for seniors and for youth and supported youth programs to help keep some of these youth from from, from you know with uh, what idle time is the devil's workshop as as, as 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 we used to say when i was coming up so he's done this he's passed legislation you know, he passed some legislation last year uh, of the, the, the victims. Uh, I forget the exact name of the bill, but what it does is it puts more money with Crime Stoppers. So instead of $15,000, the city will put up uh, another 15000 So the reward will, 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 will grow to 30000 And I think it's 20000 if it's, if a child is murdered. So he has passed legislation. Let's talk about what he has done. We don't want to talk about pipe dream if I, if I would have, should have, could have, if I get in, oh, I'm going to do this. You have no record. Nobody, nobody running against him has a record like he is. Let's talk about experience. This is where experience matters. I know one thing. I don't want a pilot when I get on a plane and says, hey, I've never done this before, only in a simulator. I want somebody that says, I've been flying for 25 years. I don't want a doctor right out of school. I want one that says, I've done this procedure 40,000 times and I've been successful at it. Let's be real here, gentlemen. We need experience. I live in the city of St. Louis and okay, and, and there's four votes in my house, alright? I want I want to vote for the person not because I'm working with him. I want to vote for the person I think has the best chance and the most experience at leading this city. He's been doing it. He's done the work. All you got to do is Google him, and you'll see he's been there, and he's done it, and he'll be able to do more because it's a bigger bully pit from, from the mayor's office, room 200, than it is in, in, the, in the president of the board of all, Alderman C. So, so, so we want to talk about what they have done. You talk to all three of them, and they can't put together one piece of nothing that they've done in the, in the way of uh, public safety, nothing. All they can do is say, well, if I'm mayor, I'm going to do this. Oh, yeah. Let's talk about your records and what you have done. That's all. He's rolling, Chris. He's rolling. We only got a few minutes left with Keith Antone. Go ahead, Chris. Voters, Keith, or Keith, uh, Keith, voters in Kansas City and the city of St. Louis will vote on retaining the 1% earnings tax. There are those who say that the earnings tax is what is inhibiting the city of St. Louis from growing and spurring other development. The other side says that the 1% is imperative to St. Louis's budget. Uh, I know Tony has to pay that 1% uh, earnings tax working for uh, Intercom in downtown St. Louis. Make the case that the 1% earnings, well, let me, let me put it this way. What is uh, Lewis Reed's position on the earnings tax? And if he's in favor of it, make the case for it. Absolutely, he is, he is in favor, uh, favor of it because let's let's just look at it like this. Especially um, in, in in the times right now that we're not getting a lot of revenue from 
businesses and restaurants that are closed. We're missing a lot of revenue that the Blues can't have. People coming into downtown St. Louis and and the Cardinals did, last year didn't have all, for almost three million people coming so in. So Tony should that, pay that for it. Got, so you, Tony you, should no, make no, up no, that no, difference. If you, if you, wait a minute, hold on. See, see, you, if you ask me a question, do you want to answer? <laughs> I'm just asking. If I'm following me, up. Okay. No, 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 no. Anybody that works in the city should have to pay that. Yes, absolutely. Just like does does Tony does Tony uh, and his family ever go to the zoo? Does Tony and his family ever enjoy Forest Park? Does Tony and his family ever been to the Science Center? You, you the art museum? Hell yeah, Tony got to pay it. If you work in the city, yeah, you got to pay it. You, 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 you Why am I paying for it? Why am I paying for everything? <laughs> well, because you got the most money. Wait, so, wait, so, I like that. Tony pays for everything. I, I, I promise you, I don't have the most money in this room. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you ought to pay two percent. Matter of fact, I think if you live in the city, you pay one, and if you don't live in the city, you pay three percent. And that's me talking. Mm. You enjoy, you enjoy all, you enjoy all the other, Keith, all the all the things that we have to offer. What do you yeah, think? you should have to pay. Keith, what do you think of the um, of of this uh, uh, the idea of doing this jungle primary uh, with no with the the no party thing we're talking about? And it's the, the it's the it's the most this is the craziest damn. They only do this in in Fargo, North Dakota, and there's a reason why. Uh, it's the craziest thing. So why are I, I we doing it? What did it in Georgia? They what? had a jungle primary. That's how we got well, Warner. Well, 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 the reason why they're doing it is because Tashar Jones and and a couple of misguided uh, 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 commie socialists uh, uh, got together and well, no, they weren't all Democrats. And they got together and and, and tricked and duped the people. Mm, it was a Democrats. forty fifty page. A piece of legislation, and people thought they were getting something else. They scared them. They said, "We won't have any uh, if we don't vote for this. We won't have any more black leadership in St. Louis." And that was a damn lie. So they they tricked the people, and 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 I'm hoping soon after they see that this didn't work for them that we can get back to one vote, one person, one vote, one person. That's how it should be in America. Not go in there like it's a beauty pageant and vote for who you like. And, and and just to explain that a little bit, we we touched on it with Andrew in that first hour. But I, when you say you can vote for multiple people, is it is it a ranking system? Like I've seen elections, I can't remember the term that they use for that type of election where you you vote for uh, kind of an A B C D, but you're they're weighted more to this is my first uh, right. choice. No, no, my, no, no. These are all, all equal. This is all equal votes. You can vote for this, multiple people, that, equal amount. Yeah. That's Weird. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Democrats and weird, Tony, go in the same sentence. Keith, if people want to uh, follow you or learn more about uh, Lewis Reed's campaign, do you have any websites or social media that you would like to direct people to? At Keith Antone on all social media. There you go. It's just all right. that easy. That is America's Keith, I was favorite. civil, wasn't I? That's fun. Yeah, no, you are. It's always fun. It's always fun. God bless you guys. You bet. God back at you. you. Back at you, Keith. Always uh, a good time to talk with you, my friend. We'll have you back on real soon. All right, let's take another quick break. And when we get back, we've got more Weekend Report on 97.1 FM Talk. Don't go anywhere.
Welcome back to the Weekend Report, 97.1 FM Talk. Big thank you again to America's favorite liberal, Keith Antone, for joining us in that last segment. Always a spirited discussion with Keith. Uh, always fun to have him on. Um, got uh, a couple more segments to go in this week's show. We're going to talk to our friend Brian Eggers from Eggers HVAC. In the next segment, we are facing some deep, deep, bitter cold out there right now. And um, speaking from the standpoint of somebody whose furnaces just uh, shot craps on us about three weeks ago, mm. um, I know how dangerous it can be if you were to lose your heat or your furnace this time of year. So uh, Brian is going to come on and give us some tips to make sure that your furnace is running properly and um, what to kind of look out for to see if there are any issues that you're having uh, before it's too late and before, you know, we're facing these uh uh, sub zero temperatures, and you don't have any heat coming out of your uh, vents. So uh, we'll check. We'll check in with Brian Eggers in the Tony, next. Could segment. you say that again? That deep, deep cold. I like how you said that. Oh yeah, the deep cold. Yeah. Now you're like that deep, deep cold. Deep, like, deep cold. Sub zero yeah, like, temperatures. It's like uh, it. it's brutal out there. It's, it is. Yeah, I can't wait to get need to Disney some World. Bernie, uh, some Bernie mittens. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. Uh, hey, I want to get back to uh, impeachment here for a second. We talked Aww. a little bit about impeachment in the first hour. I want to, I want to get, I wanted to no, ask just... your thoughts on this. I want to get your opinion. Um, what was it? Six Republicans voted with the Democrats to move forward with the with the the Senate trial. The usual suspects. Yeah, Susan Collins, Mitt Romney, Bill Cassidy, Ben Sass, uh, Pat Cassidy Toomey. Cassidy wasn't surprised, though. And uh, Lisa Murkowski. Do you think that those same six uh, vote to convict the president? I mean, obviously, they're not going to get the 17 Republicans needed. They need 67 votes in the Senate to convict the president. They're not going to get that many. But how many Republicans do you think th- that will go against the president and the Republicans and vote to convict? I think it'll be those six. The surprise was uh, Bill Cassidy because the vote from last week, um, he didn't vote that. He voted that the the uh, trial should not continue, that it was unconstitutional. And then this week he voted in favor of that. So he was the big surprise. I think the six votes that you'll have will be these people that will vote uh, for uh, for conviction. But as Ted Cruz and all the other Republican leaders have said, there's not a snowball's chance that uh, Donald Trump will be convicted. We talked on the Dave Glover show this week. Uh, Somebody brought up what if it was a secret ballot and it was a true secret vote, that there was no way that anybody would ever know who voted what way. The the question was was posed because uh, what what people what we were wondering was. Do uh, do most of the Republicans truly stand behind the president and have his back or are they afraid or do uh, many do more Republicans than we think um, actually hold the president, the former president responsible, but just would never vote against them because they know they would be voting against their own um, uh, you know, campaigns, they would their their own uh, intentions. So. What do you think? If this was a true secret ballot, do you think it would more Republicans would join in or no? 
I don't think you'd really truly have a secret ballot. I know. I'm just saying people, for the, no, for the let, sake no, of this. Let, no, let me finish. Yeah. What I'm saying is I don't think you truly have a secret ballot is because even if you did vote secret, Donald Trump is going to be accusing everyone of voting against him. And I right. think you'd have people that would come out and would say, hey, I it was a secret ballot, but I was for you. I don't want to be a part. I don't want you thinking that I voted against you. So maybe so a better I, I way to think, ask it. I don't think you truly would have one. So maybe a better way to ask it would vote. be, do you believe that in their hearts there are more Republicans that that hold the president responsible than than what the way that they would vote? Or do you think— I think there's more. I think there are maybe a couple more. Maybe eight or nine yeah. total, but I don't think 17. No, no I don't think 17 either. And I'm yeah, not even sure. More. I, I think I, Mitch McConnell would vote against him if it if, if, would. Uh, you know what? I think I think you're right. I think maybe Mitch would. But I, I also think that maybe people like Mitt Romney wouldn't. That Mitt Romney just is voting against the president, not because he thinks he's guilty, just because he hates him. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think you could I think see. Do that I think you could see some switching there, which is uh, which is a little funny and uh, just highlights how um, ridiculous uh, politics is. Um, just had that conversation with uh, Keith Antone. Uh, any any changes? Anything in your? Did anything in your mindset change about the uh, uh, hope for the future of the city Saint, of St. Louis? Well, I tell you, as a political consultant, some advice I would give to Keith is this, that he needs to add a little more excitement to his presentation about his candidate. It's really hard to tell if he's really as enthusiastic about it. If he his has candidate. his back. So, yeah, so I, I would I would implore him, Keith, you got to get a little more animated. But no, I think, you know, it comes down between Deshaun Jones and Lewis Reed. And I think Lewis Reed is probably going to win because Deshaun Jones is viewed as soft on crime, even though uh, uh, Keith tries to say that he's has experience and he's going to do all these things. I think it's going to be the same old, same old Democratic leadership status quo. And I don't see really a lot, uh, a lot changing. So it's sad to say that as we're having this conversation, we're a couple hours away from the CDC uh, releasing their new guidelines on uh, sending kids back to school. So um, that is going to be something that will be discussed a lot over this weekend. Uh, Also, the CDC released new mask guidelines this week. And uh, I, I, I just get frustrated by this whole thing because it's just it's just common sense that we've known for so long. Uh, The CDC released this uh, new lab experiment finding uh, that they say that placing a cloth mask over a surgical mask was affected effective at stopping covid. Duh. Uh, The same experiment shows that making sure your regular mask, just your regular old mask fits properly. That's the most important thing. Don't have a loose mask. Don't have a, um, a, a a mask that's that's thin. You know, just wear a wear a a good quality mask that fits your face and is snug, and that's the best way to protect yourself. Question for the both of you: No duh. What's the most incorrect way you've ever seen someone wearing a mask? Because I have mine, and I bet you it tops yours. <laughs> uh, I've seen somebody wear it where I've seen somebody where you can see their entire nose and their entire chin. So, oh, so it's I'll just you, covering the mouth. Yeah, and I'll that's give you it. an example here. Yeah, I'll, I'll show you here in the studio. Um, 
Yes, visual radio. Yeah. We love it. Exactly. So <laughs> it was like it was like this. Yep. My mine like was this. close to that. Chris, what do you got? No, I have to just say the the what I've seen, just people that wear them under their nose instead of yeah. having them under their nose. Yeah. That's the worst that I've that I've seen. What do you have? The guy I saw, it was in his mouth. <laughs> it, 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 had, it had started I because it was at a QT. I went in there to get myself a coffee uh, before coming into work one day, and I saw this guy, and as he's walking from the entrance to the counter, his mask goes from just below his nose to when he started talking to people, and it started like, I don't know, I guess the movement of his mouth kind of like sucked the mask in, and he just kept it there. He was talking to people. It was just, you could see his teeth. I was just I couldn't help but stare. Three in the morning on a yeah, Saturday. No, this was like four thirty on a Saturday. That's <laughs> like, gotta this be. Is, this is middle of the day, man. Oh, I'm like it's early oh, in the morning. It you was know. wild. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. No kidding. Uh, kind of along the same lines, the Biden administration report came out this week that said that they are considering whether to impose domestic travel restrictions, including on uh, in places like Florida and California, fearful that the coronavirus mutations are threatening to uh, spread even quicker throughout the country. Uh, one White House official said that there are uh, conversations about what could help uh, mitigate spread, but we have to follow the data. We did this with South Africa, meaning travel restrictions. Uh, we did this with South Africa. We did this with Brazil because we got clear guidance. Um, what do you think of the idea of the president restricting travel around the country right now, Chris? First of all, I think the government is sending mixed messages. The Biden administration is playing politics and saying that this is a crisis and an emergency and and we need to shut everything down. But then you're hearing reports where the deaths are down, the infections are down. Um, it seems the like the vaccinations are working. We've kind of rounded the corner. So I don't know what they're trying to trying to uh, trying to do. They're sending a mixed message. I think if you look at California and New York. Those are the two states with the highest rates of, uh, of COVID deaths. You look at Florida, which has such a high senior citizen po- population, and they don't, says a lot that what we should be doing in terms of mitigating you know, COVID virus. So I think it's unconstitutional for the president to do this, but I think he'll do it under the interstate commerce clause uh, to be able to, to basically shut down people's rights to travel. I don't think he'll ultimately do it. I I think that he'll continue to talk about it, but I don't think he'll ultimately pull the trigger. Uh, These and, people and, love power, man, and, and, it's, no, and, and COVID I, is a crisis. I, I know. I agree. I agree. But I think that uh, they would be afraid of the backlash from their own side at some point. Of doing it, but just the fact that they are publicly going to make sure that these conversations and these ideas leak out there to give them credit for the idea, but not having to go through with the actual implementation of the policies, uh, I think is exactly what we'll see. We only got a couple minutes here left in this segment before we talk to Brian Ager, so I'm going to go through a couple of uh, uh, touch on a couple of quick stories. That are a little are these bit lightning rounds, a little bit lighter, a little bit lighter, a little bit of fun here uh, towards the end of the show. While we have a couple uh, minutes here, uh, the oldest person in Europe just beat coronavirus. I talked about my my ninety five year old grandfather uh, had it and uh, and and beat coronavirus a, a few weeks ago, which was incredible. Um, in fact, he he didn't have very many symptoms at all thank goodness he had a very uh, light case of of coronavirus a nun in France 
named Lucille Randon uh, tested positive back on January 16th, uh, but was asymptomatic. Tomorrow is her 117th birthday. Not tomorrow. Dang. Earlier this week was her 117th birthday, and she defeated COVID Wait, at 117. Isn't 117? Wasn't the oldest person in the world 116? Is that a new record? Maybe or is they're that... 117 now. This just huh. says the oldest person in Europe. I think hmm. the oldest person in the world is always in Japan. It's always in Japan. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and it hey, is, man. Isn't I know. it a coincidence that they've There's... been wearing masks forever if they were sick? Yeah, well, Whenever yeah. they're sick, they yeah. wear a mask to be courteous, and they always have the oldest person. Another good There's, step. Go ahead, there's Chris. Two de- there's two definites in the world: is the oldest person always is from uh, Japan, Japan, and that kids from India always win the the spelling bee. A descent. <laughs> another nice school. yes, another nice stat to see: uh, the number of Americans that got vaccinated last week, so not the week that just ended, but the prior week to that, uh, outnumbered new cases of the virus ten to one. There was about nine hundred thousand new cases. Last week, and a little over 9 million people got vaccinated. So 10 to 1 people getting vaccinated to new cases uh, being discovered of coronavirus in the country. So I think that that is uh, really good as well. Uh, And a a new study just uh, showed that 19% of Americans have had a dream about getting COVID. Mm. Chris, have you had your COVID dream yet? I haven't had a dream, but I have thought about what would it be like if I got it and lost my sense of taste and smell or be the worst. or got sick, but uh, but that's pretty much it. Mm-hmm. Have you, Jake, have you had a dream, COVID uh, dream? No, I haven't had a dream. Um, I mean, at least not that I can remember. I can't Which remember. Which is good, I guess. I, I don't know what a COVID a... Dr- a COVID dream would be. Really boring. I would just be. I would. It would just be. You know, X amount of hours of me sleeping while dreaming about sitting on my couch playing Xbox because I'm quarantined. Mm-hmm. Uh, or being on a ventilator or something. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Yeah. That, I like that would to be... dream positively, Man, Chris. I told you we were having. I told you we were having light, quick, oh, few yeah, quick fine. light stories here at the end of this segment, Chris. Jeez. All right. Well, on that note, let's go ahead and wrap this one up and take a quick break. And like I said, when we get back, we're going to talk to Brian Eggers from Eggers HVAC. Uh, talk to Brian about this deep cold that we are facing. Deep, 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 deep sub zero temperatures that we're facing and how to make sure that you and your furnace and your HVAC system are working properly so you don't find yourself stranded in the cold like we did at the Colombo House a few weeks ago when our furnace literally exploded. Uh, don't go anywhere. You're listening to The Weekend Report on 97.1 FM Talk. Oh, yeah. Welcome back to the Weekend Report, 97.1 FM Talk. Big thank you again to America's favorite liberal, Keith Antone, for joining us in that last segment. Always a spirited discussion with Keith. Uh, always fun to have him on. Um, got uh, a couple more segments to go in this week's show. We're going to talk to our friend Brian Eggers from Eggers HVAC. In the next segment, we are facing some 
deep, deep, bitter cold out there right now. And um, speaking from the standpoint of somebody whose furnace has just uh, shot craps on us about three weeks ago, mm. um, I know how dangerous it can be if you were to lose your heat or your furnace this time of year. So uh, Brian is going to come on and give us some tips to make sure that your furnace is running properly and um, what to kind of look out for to see if there are any issues that you're having uh, before it's too late and before, you know, we're facing these um uh, sub zero temperatures, and you don't have any heat coming out of your uh, vents. So uh, we'll check. We'll check in with Brian Agers in the Tony, next. Could segment. you say that again? That deep, deep cold. I like how you said that. Oh yeah, the deep cold. Yeah. Now you're like that deep, deep cold. Deep, like, deep cold. Sub zero yeah, like, temperatures. It's like, uh, it's brutal out there. It's, it is. Yeah, I can't wait to get need some Bernie, uh, some Bernie mittens. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. Uh, Hey, I want to get back to uh, impeachment here for a second. We talked a little bit about impeachment in the first hour. I want to, I want to get, I wanted to ask your thoughts on this. I want to get your opinion. Um, What was it? Six Republicans voted with the Democrats to move forward with the with the the Senate trial. The usual suspect. Yeah, Susan Collins, Mitt Romney, Bill Cassidy, Ben Sass, uh, Pat Cassidy Toomey. Cassidy was a surprise, though. And uh, Lisa Murkowski. Do you think that those same six uh, vote to convict the president? I mean, obviously, they're not going to get the 17 Republicans needed. They need 67 votes in the Senate to convict the president. They're not going to get that many. But how many Republicans do you think there that will go against the president and the Republicans and vote to convict? I think it'll be those six. The surprise was uh, Bill Cassidy because the vote from last week, um, he didn't vote that. He voted that the the uh, trial should not continue, that it was unconstitutional. And then this week he voted in favor of that. So he was the big surprise. I think the six votes that you'll have will be these people that will vote uh, for uh, for conviction. But as Ted Cruz and all the other Republican leaders have said, there's not a snowball's chance that uh, Donald Trump will be convicted. We talked on the Dave Glover show this week. Uh, somebody brought up what if it was a secret ballot and it was a true secret vote, that there was no way that anybody would ever know who voted what way. The The question was was posed because uh, what what people what we were wondering was. Do uh, do most of the Republicans truly stand behind the president and have his back or are they afraid or do many do more Republicans than we think um, actually hold the president, the former president responsible, but just would never vote against them because they know they would be voting against their own um, uh, you know, campaigns, they would, their their own uh, intentions. So. What do you think? If this was a true secret ballot, do you think it would more Republicans would join in or no? I don't think you'd really truly have a secret ballot. I know. I'm just saying people, for the, for no, the let, sake no, of this. Let, no, let me finish. Yeah. What I'm saying is I don't think you truly have a secret ballot is because even if you did vote secret, Donald Trump is going to be accusing everyone of voting against him. And I right. think you'd have people that would come out and would say, hey, I it was a secret ballot, but I was for you. I don't want to be a part. I don't want you thinking that I voted against you. So maybe so a better I, I way to think, ask it. I don't think you truly would have one. So maybe a better way to ask it would vote. be, do you believe that in their hearts there are more Republicans 
that that hold the president responsible than than what the way that they would vote? Or do you think I think there's more? I think there are maybe a couple more, maybe eight or nine yeah. total. But I don't think 17. No, no I don't think 17 either. And I'm yeah, not even sure. I, I think I, Mitch McConnell would vote against them if it if, if, if would. Uh, you know what? I think I think you're right. I think maybe Mitch would. But I, I also think that maybe people like Mitt Romney wouldn't. That Mitt Romney just is voting against the president, not because he thinks he's guilty, just because he hates him. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think you could I think see. That I think you could see some switching there, which is uh, which is a little funny and uh, just highlights how um, ridiculous uh, politics is. Um, just had that conversation with uh, Keith Antone. Uh, any any changes? Anything in your did anything in your mindset change about the uh, uh, hope for the future of the city Saint, of St. Louis? Well, I tell you, as a political consultant, some advice I would give to Keith is this: that he needs to add a little more excitement to his presentation about <laughs> his candidate. It's really hard to tell if he's really as enthusiastic about. If he his has candidate. his back, so, yeah. So I, I would I would implore him, Keith, you got to get a little more animated. But no, I think, you know, it comes down between Deshaun Jones and Lewis Reed. And I think Lewis Reed is probably going to win because Deshaun Jones is viewed as soft on crime. Even though uh, uh, Keith tries to say that he's has experience and he's going to do all these things, I think it's going to be the same old, same old Democratic leadership status quo. And I don't see really a lot, uh, a lot changing. So it's sad to say that as we're having this conversation, we're a couple hours away from the CDC uh, releasing their new guidelines on uh, sending kids back to school. So um, that is going to be something that will be discussed a lot over this weekend. Uh, Also, the CDC released new mask guidelines this week. And uh, I've. I just get frustrated by this whole thing because it's just it's just common sense that we've known for so long. Uh, the CDC released this uh, new lab experiment finding uh, that they say that placing a cloth mask over a surgical mask was affected, effective at stopping COVID. Duh. Uh, the same experiment shows that making sure your regular mask, just your regular old mask, fits properly. That's the most important thing. Don't have a loose mask. Don't have a, um, a, a a mask that's that's thin. You know, just wear a wear a a good quality mask that fits your face and is snug, and that's the best way to protect yourself. Question for the both of you: No duh. What's the most incorrect way you've ever seen someone wearing a mask? Because I have mine, and I bet you it tops yours. <laughs> um, I've seen somebody wear it where I've seen somebody where you can see their entire nose and their entire chin. So, oh, so it's I'll just you, covering the mouth. Yeah, and I'll that's give you an it. example here. Yeah, I'll, I'll show you here in the studio. Um, yeah, it's visual radio. Yeah, we love it. Exactly. So <laughs> it was like, it was like this. Yep. My mine like was this. close to that. Chris, what do you got? No, I have to just say the the what I've seen just people that wear them under their nose instead of yeah. having them under their nose. Yeah. That's the worst that I've that I've seen. What'd you have? The guy I saw, it was in his mouth. <laughs> it, it, it it had it had started I because it was at a QT. I went in there to get myself a coffee uh, before coming into work one day, and I saw this guy. And as he's walking from the entrance 
to the counter. His mask goes from just below his nose to when he started talking to people. And it started like, I don't know, I guess the movement of his mouth kind of like sucked the mask in and he just kept it there. He was talking to people. It was just, you could see his teeth. I just I couldn't help but about stare. Three in the morning on a yeah, Saturday. No, this was like four thirty on a Saturday. That's <laughs> like, gotta this be. Is, this is the middle of the day, man. Uh, I'm like it's early oh, in the morning. It you was know. wild. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. No kidding. Uh, kind of along the same lines, the Biden administration report came out this week that said that they are considering whether to impose domestic travel restrictions, including on uh, in places like Florida and California, fearful that the coronavirus mutations are threatening to uh, spread even quicker throughout the country. Uh, one White House official said that there are uh, conversations about what could help uh, mitigate spread, but we have to follow the data. We did this with South Africa, meaning travel restrictions. Uh, we did this with South Africa. We did this with Brazil because we got clear guidance. Um, what do you think of the idea of the president restricting travel around the country right now, Chris? First of all, I think the government is sending mixed messages. The Biden administration is playing politics and saying that this is a crisis and an emergency and and we need to shut everything down. But then you're hearing reports where the deaths are down, the infections are down. Um, it seems the like the vaccinations are working. We've kind of rounded the corner. So I don't know what they're trying to trying to uh, trying to do. They're sending a mixed message. I think if you look at California and New York. Those are the two states with the highest rates of uh, of COVID deaths. You look at Florida, which has such a high senior citizen po- population, and they don't says a lot that what we should be doing in terms of mitigating, you know, COVID virus. So, I think it's unconstitutional for the president to do this, but I think he'll do it under the interstate commerce clause uh, to be able to. to basically shut down people's rights to travel. I don't think he'll ultimately do it. I I think that he'll continue to talk about it, but I don't think he'll ultimately pull the trigger. Uh, and, people and, love power, man, and, and, it's, no, and, and COVID I, is a crisis. I, I know. I agree. I agree. But I think that uh, they would be afraid of the backlash from their own side at some point of doing it. But just the fact that they are publicly going to make sure that these conversations and these ideas leak out there to give them credit for the idea, but not having to go through with the actual implementation of the policies, uh, I think is exactly what we'll see. We only got a couple minutes here left in this segment before we talk to Brian Ager, so I'm going to go through a couple of uh, uh, touch on a couple of quick stories that are a little are these bit lightning rounds, a little bit lighter, a little bit lighter, a little bit of fun here uh, towards the end of the show while we have a couple uh, minutes here. Uh, the oldest person in Europe just beat coronavirus. I talked about my my 95 year old grandfather uh, had it and uh, and and beat coronavirus a, a few weeks ago, which was incredible. Um, in fact, he he didn't have very many symptoms at all. Thank goodness, he had a very uh, light case of of coronavirus. A nun in France named Lucille Randon uh, tested positive back on January 16th. Uh, but was asymptomatic. Tomorrow is her 117th birthday. Not tomorrow. Dang. Earlier this week was her 117th birthday, and she defeated COVID Wait, at 117. Do, isn't 117? Wasn't the oldest person in the world 116? <laughs> is that a new record? Maybe they're that... 117 now. This just huh. says the oldest person in Europe. I think hmm. the oldest person in the world is always in Japan. It's always in Japan. Right. Yeah. <laughs> 
always and is, hey, man. Isn't it a coincidence that they've There's... been wearing masks forever if they were sick? Yeah, well, Whenever yeah. they're sick, they yeah. wear a mask to be courteous, and they always have the oldest person. Another good There's, step. Go ahead, there's Chris. Two de- there's two definites in the world. Is the oldest person always is from uh, Japan, <laughs> and that kids from India always win the the spelling bee. A descent. <laughs> another nice schools. yes. Another nice stat to see uh, the number of Americans that got vaccinated last week. So not the week that just ended, but the prior week to that. Uh, outnumbered new cases of the virus 10 to 1. There was about 900,000 new cases last week, and a little over 9 million people got vaccinated. So 10 to 1 people getting vaccinated to new cases uh, being discovered of coronavirus in the country. So I think that that is uh, really good as well. Uh, And a a new study just uh, showed that 19% of Americans have had a dream about getting covid Chris, have you had your COVID dream yet? I haven't had a dream, but I have thought about what would it be like if I got it and lost my sense of taste and smell or be the worst. or got sick. But uh, but that's pretty much it. Mm-hmm. Have you, Jake, have you had a dream? COVID uh, dream? No, I haven't had a dream. Um, I mean, at least not that I can remember. I can't Which remember. Is good, I guess. I, I don't know what a COVID dream. A COVID dream would be really boring. I would just be. I would. It would just be. You know, x amount of hours of me sleeping while dreaming about sitting on my couch playing Xbox because I'm quarantined. Uh, or being on a ventilator or something. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that, I that like that to would dream be, positive, man. Chris, I told you we're having. I told you we're having light, quick, oh, few yeah, quick fine. light stories here at the end of this <laughs> segment, Chris. Jeez. All right. Well, on that note, let's go ahead and wrap this one up and take a quick break. And like I said, when we get back, we're going to talk to Brian Eggers from Eggers HVAC. Uh, talk to Brian about this deep cold that we are facing. Deep, deep, deep cold. sub-zero temperatures that we're facing and how to make sure that you and your furnace and your HVAC system are working properly so you don't find yourself stranded in the cold like we did at the Colombo House a few weeks ago when our furnace literally exploded. Uh, don't go anywhere. You're listening to The Weekend Report on 97.1 FM Talk. Welcome back to the Weekend Report, 97.1 FM Talk. As we mentioned in that last segment, joining us now on the line, one of the great sponsors of this show, Brian Eggers from Eggers HVAC. Talked to Brian just a couple weeks ago after my uh, very unique experience and uh, very scary experience of having my furnace explode in the middle of the night. And uh, thank God for Eggers HVAC. Within uh, hours of of us losing heat and going through that experiment, our experience we had <laughs> it was not an experiment. It was an experience, though. Uh, we have a brand new system in our home. That uh, uh, Brian, welcome to the show. And I gotta say, we couldn't be happier with our new system, with the new furnace, with the new thermostat, just everything is is awesome. The only thing that I regret is not doing it sooner because it is just so much better than that old system. Well, thanks for having me on and it's good to be here and 
I don't like saying I told you so, but I'm glad <laughs> I'm glad to hear that you're enjoying it. Yeah, I mean, you explained. I I, I would uh, recommend that anybody that wants to hear the story go back a few weeks ago. Last time we had Brian on and told the whole story, and we we went into things like with this new system. Uh, and and this is I'm not exaggerating. My wife would set the old system when it's when it's very cold outside like it is now. She would set it at 75. We set it at 68 now, and she feels the same as she felt when it was the old system was set at 75 as this system set at 68. And it's because of how fancy and how good it is at at, at uh, equalizing the uh, the heat throughout the house instead of it just being sort of in, in one place like the old system. And we explained all of that uh, the last time we had Brian on. I, I recommend anybody go back out and uh, go back and check out that podcast if you want to hear about these systems because it's just absolutely incredible. I cannot recommend it enough if you are looking for a new system uh, call Agers and and get this taken care of because it's fast and it's easy and it is a game changer. So, uh, but the reason I wanted to have uh, Brian on this week was to talk about the situation that we're in right now uh, with this extreme cold that we are facing. You know, it was a bad deal when we didn't have heat uh, overnight for for one night um, when when we went through our situation. But at least then it was cold, but it wasn't cold like it is now. Uh, it would have been a it would have been a different uh, it would have been a different situation had that have happened uh, this week instead of a few weeks ago. Um, right now, our furnaces. I mean, is is it? I would imagine it's just like when it's a hundred degrees outside in the summer. The air conditioners are working harder than ever. I imagine that's what furnaces are going through right now. And when they're working that hard. Common sense tells you that uh, you know that if there are going to be any problems on the horizon, that this would be the time that they they come out. What is um, what what is happening with these furnaces uh, across the area right now, working their uh, asses off? I'm sure at this as we go through this. Yeah, for sure. So the biggest thing that people will notice um, because it's colder is your furnace. Depending upon what type of furnace you have, if it's a single speed single stage where it just gives you 100% capacity or nothing at all, then you're, the notice that you're going to see is length of runtime and frequency of runtime. Mm. But if you have a higher efficiency where it's a multi-stage gas valve or uh, a modulating gas valve, then you're going to see perhaps a shift in, oh, I've never heard my furnace run before, and now that it's cold, instead of getting 45% run capacity now it might be running at 80 percent of the burn capacity so you'll on a a multi-stage you'll see a a higher burn higher fan and then on a single stage piece of equipment that just gives you 100 percent capacity it's just going to turn on and stay on more frequently so the big thing that you want to keep in mind is in both of those scenarios watch your air filter Mm -hmm. because it's the amount of running and not the time on the calendar that dictates when those filters need to be changed. So I have customers who like to rock the little 3M filters. Um, Those need to be changed a lot more frequently than what is on the packaging. Hmm. So uh, it's kind of one of those deals where if you hear your equipment starting to labor or you notice the furnace is shutting off where it shouldn't be because the thermostat's still asking for heat, that's a huge indication that you've got something wrong. It could be as simple as a filter 
or it could be that your blower wheel's dirty and it's not moving enough air and your furnace is literally tripping. It's going out. It's shutting itself off on what we call a high limit where it's too much heat buildup, not enough air to get rid of the heat. So to keep it from melting down, catching on fire, there's uh, limitations in there that'll shut the gas off so that you don't accidentally go uh, nuclear with your furnace. So um, if you if you notice it running in a weird way, it could be that it's just cold outside, but it also could be that there's some issues with it. Should it always get up to, should it always warm to the temperature on the thermostat? I mean, if it's not getting, like you just said, sometimes the furnace will kick off while the thermostat is still asking for um, uh, for more heat. Mm-hmm. Some people may interpret that as, well, it's super cold outside. It just can't quite get to where it needs to be, but I'm not freezing in here, so everything's okay. Well, in that scenario, um, if it's just so cold that it can't keep up, it should run and run and run and run yeah. until it satisfies the thermostat. So if it's calling for heat and shutting off, that's uh, an immediate concern. And even if it is just a, a dirty filter, I would still contact your service professional and have them come out because it could be something that is more sinister than just a dirty air filter. Right. And so <clears throat> those are the kinds of things that you want to check out because those limit switches in the furnace are self-resetting, but they don't have what we would say is a rated, rated duty cycle. It's not like you can trip that thing off thousands of times and think that everything's going to be okay. It's a safety in order to keep things from going sideways in an extreme. So it's not built to just, oh, yeah, we're going to hit the high limit. We're going to shut off. That's fine. It's a safety. So, uh, you know, you definitely want to address an issue like that as soon as possible. So if anybody's thinking to themselves, well, I think I do need a new system, but uh, I'm not going to do it right now because I don't want to be without heat while we go through the process of putting in a new system, I can tell you that it is a matter of hours. It's a half of a day uh, that Agers can put a brand new system and you will be up and running at full throttle um, in in about a half of a day. So don't wait in that case. Uh, Or if you just need somebody to come out and take a look, you think there's something going wrong and you don't want to get to a situation where you're in the cold. Uh, Brian, all the different ways that people can contact Agers and uh, get you guys out there if, if, if they're experiencing issues. Yep, online at callagers.com. You can find us uh, via phone at 636-681-1976, and uh, we're on Facebook as well. Great stuff. Brian Agers from Agers HVAC. We always appreciate your time, my friend. Uh, I know you're busy right now, so I really appreciate you taking a few minutes and talking with us, and we'll talk to you again soon. All right. Thanks, guys. You bet. All right, that is going to do it for this week's edition of the Weekend Report. If you missed anything, make sure you download our podcast. You can get the Weekend Report podcast anywhere you get podcasts, but I recommend the Radio.com app because that's the best place to get our podcast. For producer Jake, Jake, thank you so much for your help this week. Absolutely, thank you. Really appreciate it. And my partner, Chris Arps, I'm Tony Colombo. Thank you so much for listening to another edition of the Weekend Report right here on 97.1 FM Talk. Enjoy the rest of your weekend.
We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Oh, 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 Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.